0: Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
1: Before Jeff Passan, you know, dropped a little bit of a bombshell report on us when it comes to what baseball could look like in 2020, You know, I had the show all mapped out. I have to do that these days because we don't have a whole lot of games to discuss, as you know. So uh, I was starting to think of my all-time Yankee team, my all-time Met team, and it kind of ties into our next guest who has spent some time putting together a book of New York's all-time team. The name of the book is Gotham Baseball, and the author... Is Mark Healy. Heels, John Justemski. It's good to have you aboard, man. What's happening, bro? Uh, it's
2: it's awesome, JJ. Thanks for having me on. Uh it certainly was a bomb. Uh, Jeff Passan, uh, who's, you know, as you said in the opening, uh, really becoming the woge of of baseball. Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, as excited as I am to talk about the book, uh, and today we were supposed to be doing our, our launch at Foley's uh in Manhattan. Um, you know It's pretty amazing. You know, and I'm also afraid that maybe it's a mush because I don't want to get too excited about uh, baseball coming back until some concrete stuff has been put in place. But it certainly is intriguing, JJ, uh, that they could be playing baseball in Arizona, uh, you know, as soon as the end of May. And
1: Mark, listen, we'll take it any which way we can, right? Like, I feel like. For any baseball fan out there, realizing how tough the times have been, we know this is not going to be a normal year. This is not going to be business as usual. We're talking neutral sites. We're talking robotic umpires. We're talking about players maybe being six feet apart. You know, sitting in the stands, what a weird look that's going to be. But, Mark, you're a baseball guy. I'm a baseball guy. We want games to watch at the end of the day. If we can safely find a way, any way, anyhow, I'm going to take it.
2: No question, especially if the Players Association is on board and it seems that they are at least part of the planning process. I I think that, you know, J.J., you know, when you talk about, I'm not crazy about the seven-inning doubleheaders. I'm not crazy about the uh, robot umpires. But let's be honest, if we're going to get baseball back um, in some semblance for this year, uh, you're going to have to make some compromises.
1: No question. And that will be worked out in the weeks to come. And listen, the safety of these players obviously has to be taken care of. Hills, let's get to the book. I'm excited to read it. I know it's on the way. I know you had all these events planned. I wish I was going to be at Foley's, to be honest with you. I missed that place. Great wings, great burger, bunch of beers on tap. Life would have been good. But nonetheless, you got a lot to be proud of here. So i got to ask you, what prompted the idea? You're a baseball guy through and through. You've covered this for a while. But, like, what prompted you to say, yeah, this is something I wanted, dare I
2: say, write about? Well, a couple of years ago, about three years ago, uh, I had been doing Gotham baseball since 2005. And that's the first couple of chapters in the book are really about, you know, to let people, for the people that don't know... Uh, about Gotham Baseball, it was my kind of opportunity to kind of set it in stone. Right, I started a magazine in 2005 uh, when I was working at Associated Press. I was covering the Mets. I was covering the Yankees, and I I, I thought of, uh, wouldn't it be great to have a place where people could read about the Mets, read about the Yankees, and read about you know baseball history, you know, and put it all in one place so people didn't have to go, uh, you know, make it a one stop shop for New York baseball. And as the years, you know, as the years moved ahead, we went from doing a print magazine, then we went to a digital magazine, and then we had a podcast, and then we were doing a lot of different things. And and finally I got to the point where I so said, look, this book's gonna be around. Uh you know, Gotham Baseball, you know, is gonna be around. If it's gonna be around, it should have a place where it lives. And and just the the book was kind of a, uh you know kind of a thing where we had this baseball ballot, the uh, New York all time Gotham baseball ballot that we had done about four or five years ago. And there was a really great response to it. And I never really knew what to do with it. And then uh, Matt Cerrone, who uh, works for SNY and runs Mets Blog, he suggested to me, heels, why don't you just write a book? I mean, you know about this stuff, and it'll be a lot of fun, and, and you should move forward with it. And that's really what. what, what Uh, J.J., that's really where it came to be. You know, Gotham baseball was something as a passion project for me for a long time. And I thought that a book would be the perfect way, you know, to kind of solidify its place, you know, among, you know, uh, New York baseball.
1: I love it. Now, the idea of putting together an all-time team. Fascinating because, Hills, obviously the Yankees have been here forever. The Mets have been here since 62. But diving deep into the Dodgers and the Giants, and listen, it's a history before my time. It's a history before a good majority of the audience's time. How challenging was that, like diving in, not just looking at Yankees and Mets, but kind of getting the whole sense in New York baseball?
2: I think that, you know, my dad, uh, you know, grew up watching games at Ebbets Field. And I've always respected his knowledge. And then, you know, you've never gotten to meet my dad, uh, but he looks exactly like Terry Collins. There's no joke, JJ. I mean, he looks just like him. So, you know, that's always a conversation piece. But uh, he really is a guy that that has these great baseball anecdotes. You know, he's 83. He's in better shape than I am, and you know, he just knows the game. So I grew up listening to, you know, all these stories about, you know, uh, you know Duke Snyder and. Gil Hodges, Sal Magley, and all that stuff. So, and I think the first baseball book I ever read, and one of the first, uh, was, uh, called Baseball's, uh, Youngest Big Leaguers. And Willie Mays, uh, was a big character in that book. And then I read, you know, Boys of, uh, you know, The Boys of Summer with Roger Kant. So a lot of this stuff was anecdotal to me. And then when I started covering baseball as I got older, uh, for the Associated Press, you know, I always looked at baseball as a historical game. So, Thankfully, uh, you know, I didn't write this book fifteen years ago because I would have had to do a lot more work in the library and reference books and and, and media guides. You know, thank God there's BaseballReference.com. Thank God that the New York Times has a you know an archive that goes back to the 1800s because I was able to really do a tremendous amount of research, you know, online and talking to some of the old ballplayers and interviewing uh, people over the years. Um, it was a it was not an easy prospect, but but for me, who always had a connection to the past and always had a great respect for the past and have my, my dad as just a great you know fountain of knowledge, it, it really kind of was a natural progression for me.
1: We got Mark Haley, the author of Gotham Baseball, New York's all-time team, just hit in all sorts of places now. And I would say to go to your local bookstore and get it, but we're not living in that sort of world. But hey... There is the beauty of being able to buy online, being able to do all that sort of stuff. So, Heels, at the end of this, you'll tell everybody where they can pick up the book. Now, my challenge always, Mark, when it comes to these all-time teams, and you actually inspired me today. I got to give you credit. And Harris Allen did it last week with a topic. But you got to understand, Heels, I'm like sitting in the lab right now, no games are on, stuck up inside, trying to figure out how I'm going to operate each day and each night. And the idea for me, and listen, I'm not going to dive into the Brooklyn Dodgers and the New York Giants, but for me at least, later in the show, I'm going to unveil my all-time Yankee team and my all-time Met team. Now, it's always easy to do with guys you've seen, but there are plenty of guys you haven't seen. Like, listen, if you put together an all-time Met team and it doesn't have Tom Seaver, you're a fool. If you put together an (laughs) all-time Yankee team and it doesn't have Babe Ruth or Lou Gehrig, then what exactly are you doing? But... The question I have for you is that, like, recency bias. Did that in any way maybe, like, influence you and you, like, were mindful of it? And, listen, I guess with a guy like Jeter, it's kind of easy. You know, first ballot Hall of Famer, iconic shortstop, leader of a dynasty Yankee team in the late 90s. But aside from that, like, there were people, I don't know if you saw this online, Mark. People were trying to make the case that after one year, and I love the kid, I think he's a stud, I I think he's the goods, I think he's going to be this guy eventually, but like on an all-time Mets team, they're trying to put Pete Alonso as the first baseman after one year.
2: Yeah, it's crazy. And recency bias is never a problem with me because I'm a curmudgeon. And, you know, I always try to look at, I don't ever try to get, you remember when Willie Randolph was the manager of Mets? And and people got excited about Lasting's mileage, and and Willie was like, yeah, let's take it easy. <laughs> and people got mad at Willie because they were like, oh, he's not good with young players. But you know, in essence, he was right because you know you can't get too excited about these guys. And look, and I love Pete Alonso. I mean, I love the guy, um, but it's no Keith Hernandez, at least not yet. Maybe he will. Maybe he'll be better. But I'm not one of these guys that jumps to that kind of a conclusion. Right away, I'm, I've, I've never been that way because be, maybe it's because I'm a, I'm a Mets fan. Maybe it's it's because I'm a Falcons fan, and I was up twenty eight to three. That I'm always waiting for the shoe to drop, brother. You know what I mean? I'm always waiting for that shoe to drop.
1: I totally get that. And hopefully, Mark, that's not going to be news we get as far as baseball's <laughs> return. I don't, I don't need that sort of negativity right now. But on a much lighter note, as you're going through position by position, look. I'm sure that some positions are going to be a lot easier to fill than others. So before we get into the toughest decision, how in the book, and I don't want to spoil the entire roster because I want people to go and actually buy the book. Maybe we'll get into one or two and we'll have some fun with that. But how did you go about setting up the team? Obviously, all the positions on the field, but did you give like a starting rotation? Did you give a bullpen? So how is the overall setup of the all-time team?
2: Well, there's nine position players, and I went strictly with left field, center field, you know, right field. There's uh, five starting pitchers and one reliever. Uh, I didn't want to get into, you know, I was going to say, look, I, you know, I didn't want to get into, um, I wanted to get into starting pitching because I think that's unique, and I've always been a pitching guy, and I wanted to see how I could build a rotation, you know, with five guys that were my picks. Um, but I only wanted one closer, and there was only one closer to pick, you know, it was Mariano. Um, it, it, there wasn't even a, there wasn't even a discussion, you know, some of the chapters kind of lay out how I made my selection and some of the people that were in the running, there was no, there was no need to do that with Mariano, <laughs> you know, I mean, if he's not your all time closer, I, you know, I'd really like to understand what your thought process was, but, um, I, I wanted to do nine position players. I had wanted to do five starters and I wanted to do, you know, we have a GM, we have a manager and we have an owner. So, um, you know, that was really, I wanted to create one of those situations where um, there was obviously going to be guys like Babe Roof that, you know, were givens, But the challenge for me was, how do I write this chapter? I mean, so many things have been written about Babe Ruth, you know, at nauseam how was I going to do this chapter where I was telling a new story? And I think I did, but you know, you have to read it for yourself. Uh, Jackie Robinson is at, you know, is it second base? Again, how many things have been written about Jackie? So I tried to, you know, do something different with each player that was a given. And also, you know, with the players that weren't given, with the, with the, with the players that were tough, I tried to explain the process of how I went about making my selection. So there's a little bit of everything as far as, you know, kind of breaking down the players as they were selected.
1: Mark, we know center field has a storied history, not only with the New York Yankees, with Manolin DiMaggio, but in this town. I mean, you think about Willie Mays, you think about Duke Snyder, uh, you name it. Was that one of the more difficult decisions you had to make in choosing your all-time center fielder, or not so much?
2: Yes, no, it was because of, you know, when you, when you delve deep and you look at the numbers, you know, I mean, for you, know, you would talk to people and ask them um you know i remember my uncle tony when i was a kid uh you know god rest his soul he was great uh one day i said to him you know i said hey uncle tony who was better willie mickey or the duke and he said joe dimaggio (laughs) so you know what i'm saying so it was always kind of you know and my dad is a huge duke snyder fan a huge brooklyn dodger fan but really at the end of the day um I talked to enough people who were experts. I even talked to w f a n you know former w f a n broadcaster Russ salsberg at one point uh to kind of help me you know get some quotes get some ideas of of players that he had seen and you know at the end of the day um as tough it was as tough as it was to pick, I mean, you know, it was Willie Mays, I and mean, Willie Mays is the guy, you know, a uh, five-tool guy, maybe the first five-tool guy ever, um, you know, he, his history uh, in New York, um, I mean, Mantle is the all-time everything for, for the Yankees, but even Mantle said, you know, was asked, you know, who he thought was the best, and you know, even he said, Willie, <laughs> so, you know, um, I think at the end of the day, it was great to get into who those players were. I think most people um, kind of disregard Snyder and his career. I think that he's kind of left in the dust a little bit sometimes when they talk about Mickey Mantle and Willie Mays. Uh, but Snyder was a really phenomenal player. So it was fun to go down memory lane with my dad and listen to his stories. he got a couple of really good stories in that chapter, but also um, a you know, fantastic book uh, that I had read um, by, uh, by a, a fellow by the name of Hirsch who wrote this incredible Willie Mays book. and really is just kind of like the masterwork of Willie Mays. And I'm hoping that people, after they read my book, they go out and they get a lot of these books that I quote in, in, the, in my book. Because, you know, to me, baseball translates so well. Uh, to the written word. And I think people will get a kick, especially now, because we don't know when baseball is going to come back. So why not have this opportunity to kind of look at history and kind of start those arguments all over again, you know?
1: Totally get it. And listen, been doing a whole lot of reading. It's a great town to be doing a whole lot of reading. And baseball books, listen, usually find their way into my library. And I could tell you, I've been doing more reading now than I maybe I was even doing at Syracuse, for goodness <laughs> sakes, Mark. But that's a, that's a story for a different day. Now, let's get to your rotation. Was that the most challenging thing you had to put together? Because you're talking about five guys and you're talking about a whole lot of variety. So, like, Center field, we get it. It's tough. It's Mays. It's Mantle. It's DiMaggio. So many different ways. Snyder, uh, you could go four different ways. You ended up going with Willie Mays. I can't fault you on that. But was the rotation the toughest of the positions to try to work on?
2: Third base was the toughest. But I definitely want to leave that a secret. Uh, third base was the toughest. Right, so third um, base
1: is the toughest and third base is the secret. So I'm not going to press you on that. That's Right, okay.
2: I want people
1: to buy the book. That's why. But, you give me some but,
2: other answers, and that's, <laughs> that's fine. The rotation was difficult. It was difficult. And it was difficult because I had an idea of who my top three guys were. You know, and I had an idea of, you know, if I was going to start a team, these would be my three guys. There would be no question that these would be my three guys. But, you know, I think people sometimes, when it comes to baseball, they don't necessarily look at, you know, every era. Um, they, they kind of, uh, and I found that when I was talking about the guy who I would, I would call the ace of the, of the staff and that's Christy Matheson. And, you know, um, you know, Christy Matheson is a guy that I've always, always, uh, you know, kind of thought about, Um, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I read this great book by Ray Robinson called, uh, the, uh, world series greatest moments. And it was all about that, 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 you know, that, that series, where, you know, Christie had the three shutouts uh, beating the Philadelphia A's. And, you know, it always, always was evocative for me. But then when I started to look at the numbers and I started to look at some of the things that Christy Mathewson stood for and what he was all about, and then uh, I found this tremendous anecdote by... Um, an ESPN, uh, personality. And I really don't want to get into it because I really want people to read it. But I found this great anecdote and this great rare picture, uh, of Christy Matthewson. Because, you know, when you look at Christy and you see a lot of the real, uh, the real highlights, the real to real highlights that you see, it's him just kind of throwing the ball around. You don't really ever see his wind up. You don't ever really see his, the way he delivers the ball. But actually, according to, This anecdote that's in the book, uh, he was a drop and drive starter, much like Tom Seaver. He almost had like the same kind of, um, delivery. So when you, when you factor that into your decision and then you look at the numbers and how they compared to the rest of the league, I mean, I know it was the dead ball era. I know it was, you know, it was the segregated era, but to discount what Mathewson did during that era, um, to me is, is foolish because he just dominated baseball, you know, for like a decade. I mean, he was just unbelievable. So he's gotta be there. And then of course you talk about the Sievers, you know, you talk about the Jerry Kuzmans, you talk about the, you know, the, the David Cones, the Dwight Goodens. Now David Cohn and Dwight Gooden were really difficult for me, uh, to leave off this team. Because they were perfect Gotham baseball players, they both played for the Mets and the Yankees. They both had their moments with the Mets and the Yankees, and you know, and they're both you know around, and they could have helped promote the book, you know. But I I didn't want to think of it in, in that in that aspect. So I really dug deep uh, with 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 the pitchers that I put on the team. And I think when people read the chapters, if they actually read the chapters and they look at the justification for each pitcher. It was difficult, especially the fifth starter. The fifth starter, uh, people are going to be like, Who is that? I never heard of him, but you got to read the book. Because hey, listen, that's what we it call It a changes everything. Right
1: there, we call it a tease. Now, before we get you out of here, and we'll give you one last chance to make sure everybody goes and gets this book. I had the Mets fan yesterday on Edge talking about the worst trades in the history of the franchise. We were doing so from a Yankee sense. Basically, all the bad Yankee trades that felt like they were in the 1980s from McGriff to Buhner uh, to Bob Tewksbury to Doug Drayback, the list goes on. Seaver, Ryan, which one hurts you more? It's got to be Nolan Ryan, right? As painful as it was with Seaver, seeing him have another five or six years, I mean, Nolan Ryan did it for 25, No.
2: When Ryan, I think in, in historical perspective, maybe it's Ryan because of what he accomplished after he left, but even Ryan admits, and when the Mets did their, uh, their, their uh, reunion in 69 and they got Ryan to come back, um, you know, Ryan even you know, intimated a couple of times in his career that had he stayed in New York, he doesn't know if he would have been Nolan Ryan. And not because of the way that the team handled him, because, you know, one of the reasons he lasted as long as he did, Rube Walker had Nolan Ryan uh, last into his 40s, Jerry Kuzman last into his 40s, Tom Seaver last into his 40s, and Tug McGraw last into his 40s. Um, Ryan just did not like New York. And he did not like, you know, where he was living. He did not like uh, the atmosphere of New York. He just never liked it. And, you know, from his brilliant performance in, um, you know, in '69, coming out of the bullpen uh, during the playoffs, um, you know, he was a uh, one of those one of those pitchers that drove Mets fans crazy because they thought he had all this potential, kind of like Noah Syndergaard a little bit. You know, really, when you think about it, he had all the talent in the world, but couldn't really put it together. It could never really be dominant. You know, they thought they were going to get a 20-game winner, and he didn't do it in in 70, didn't do it in 71. And when they traded him for Jim Fergusi, I mean, obviously, it was a terrible deal. But Seaver, to me, was the heart of the franchise. And when he left, um, it was like... You know, as a kid, I was, you know, in 77, I was a kid, and I was 10 years old. And, you know, that was like, you know, it was the same summer that Elvis died. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And no, those I get were my it. two Listen, guys. Elvis, you Saber, know what i you You might as well walk them in in the same rough. category,
1: Hills. I totally <laughs> it was, get it. Listen. It was rough. Appreciate a couple of minutes. got them Baseball. Want to find the book. Mark, find you on Twitter. Mark C. Healy. And where can we find the book real quick?
2: Amazon.com is the best place to get it. You could also reach out to me um, on Twitter, and uh, I'll send you a signed copy.
1: There you go. Mark, appreciate a couple minutes. Take care. Best of luck, all
2: right?
0: Thanks, JJ. Oh, it's such a clutch pickup, Dave. (laughs) I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it.